If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful to all of you. Good to be with you again, as usual, to talk about the Parsha, to look at the Torah reading, to see what there is to learn. And there is so much to learn from the Parsha. There is so much to learn from the Torah, because as I always say, it's Torah's Chaim. It is the Torah of life. Not only does it teach us how to live life, it gives life. It teaches us how, in fact, life should be lived, how life, in fact, comes from Torah. Torah being the wisdom of God, Torah being that which is the essence of creation, the blueprint of creation. It gives us an insight into who we are, what we are, how we can connect with God, and therefore how, in fact, we can become better people. And this is why each and every single week there is something unique that we can learn, something that we unique that we can take from the Parsha in order to make our lives richer, greater, better, in order to make our lives a little bit more purposeful, because after all, when we take a look at life, what is life all about? Is it simply to physically exist? Of course not. It's there to do something of meaning. But in order to do something of meaning, we have to understand what the meaning is. In fact, what is meaning really all about? And this is why we turn to Torah, because our neshama, our souls, are connected with the essence of Torah. And when our souls are motivated, uplifted, guided, by the teaching of Torah, it communicates to our mind, communicates to our heart, it communicates to our consciousness, and it teaches us how, in fact, we can become better people, how, in fact, we can become people that fulfill the will of God, the purpose of God, the purpose of creation, because, after all, there is purpose to each and everything within creation, to each and every one of us within creation, but it's up to us to fulfill that purpose. The only way we can do so is through the knowledge of Torah. That's why each and every single week we turn to the Parsha of the week and we ask the question, what is there in this week's Parsha that can teach us how to behave? And of course, what a Parsha it is. The Parsha of Ayigash, the ongoing story of the conflict between Joseph Yosef and his brothers. I've told you so many times, what a puzzling story. What a difficult story. A story, well, some people might simply reduce it to sibling rivalry, but it wasn't that. It wasn't only jealousy of brothers to another brother. There is a far deeper insight into this conflict. It's something which we have to understand in order to understand what caused the rift and ultimately, of course, what caused the reconciliation as well. But the drama stretches out over a couple of weeks. And in fact, this week, how does it all begin? Vayigash Elav Yehuda. Yehuda approaches Yosef and he says to him, in no uncertain terms, that things have to change. You fooled us. You asked us to bring down our youngest brother. We told you that was a very difficult thing. Our father was bound up, is bound up with our youngest brother. It's something which was very difficult for him to agree to. And because of your machinations, you put him into great danger. We cannot leave. We cannot go back without our younger brother. And one senses in this week's Parsha of Ayigash that this is a critical moment in the conflict between 
the brothers and Joseph. They don't know that it's Joseph. Joseph knows that it's the brothers. But Vayigash Elav Yehuda, in this approach, we said something pivotal is about to happen. But as I always say, it's not only the opening words of the Parsha that is Vayigash. The entire Parsha is Vayigash. And therefore, throughout the entire Parsha, we have to sense this idea of urgency, this idea of Vayigash. We sense in this movement of Yehuda moving toward Yosef, not only an expression of strength, not only an expression of this is the way it's going to be and no other way, but there is something far deeper when Yehuda approaches Yosef. What is that all about? What in fact is Yehuda going to communicate? And we take a look at the words, the opening words of the Parsha. Vayikash Elav Yehuda, and he says, Be Adoni, my master, I am going to speak to you. I'm going to speak into your ear. What is that really all about? And Rashi explains, I'm going to ask you to listen carefully to what I say, but it also means I'm going to speak into your ear. I don't want to make a fuss. I'm not going to speak to the media. I'm not going to speak to the crowds. I'm not going to speak to those around. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to you and to you directly because I want something positive to come about as a result of my conversation with you. I'm not looking to make an impression. I'm not looking to make an impression among others. I want something to happen that will result in a healthy conclusion to this great problem. And we learn from this something incredibly important before we actually go into the actual story. We see in the approach of Yehuda what Yehuda wants to do is to bring about a positive resolution to a problem. He is not looking to make points with others. He's not looking to make a huge impression upon the great crowds in the media out there. He is trying to say to Yosef, Yosef, we have to resolve this issue. We have to bring about a conclusion that we will both be happy with. And this is something which is important for us to understand because very often when there is conflict, those involved in the conflict don't look for conclusion and resolution. They look to make an impression. They look to somehow bring about a sense of victory in the eyes of not their opponents, but others, that others should say, aha, look at this, look at this fellow, look at this guy, look at this wonderful, wonderful way he looked at the way he presented himself there is no resolution to the problem but there is a tremendous sense of popular success that's not what Yehuda wants over here Yehuda is communicating something entirely different Vayigash Elav Yehuda we sense in this approach something which is very serious something which is very powerful something which is going to result in a conclusion, hopefully a resolution, but Yehuda is not going to walk away from this. This is not going to end in some sort of compromise where there won't be a solution as far as Yehuda is concerned. This is pivotal. This is the critical moment. This is where everything changes. This is where everything turns around. This is the moment of greatness. In every single story, there is that dramatic moment when you know here is where it all changes. Here is where it all happens. 
This is the moment of Vayigash, Vayigash Elav Yehuda. You sense that something extraordinary is about to happen. He is going to say something. He's going to do something. And what does he say to Yosef? He says to Joseph, this has to end in a positive way. Because whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I am not backing down from this demand. Whatever it takes, I am going to walk away in a successful sort of way. And you have to realize, if you want diplomacy, you will get diplomacy. If you want statesmanship, you will get statesmanship. But if you want war, you will get war as well. And we have to understand what is motivating Yehuda. What is driving Yehuda for him to stand up to the most powerful person in the land and to speak this way? More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the incredible bravery of, Yosef, of, of Yehuda. He approaches Yosef, who is the viceroy of Egypt, and he speaks to him with firm resolution. He says to him, this is the way it's going to be and no other way. And we have to understand, where does this strength and fortitude come from? So the question we ask is, Yehuda, where does he get the strength to speak to the most powerful person in the land, and in many ways the most powerful person in the world, because Egypt is the most powerful country. Yosef, Joseph, is the viceroy, and he has the authority from Pharaoh to do whatever he wants. And Joseph has the might of the Egyptian authorities and power and armies behind him. Yes, Jacob's sons were very strong men, but they couldn't compete with the strength of the armies of Egypt. And yet, Yehuda goes forward with absolute resolve, and he says to him, this is the way that it's going to be. Now, what gives Yehuda that inner strength to stand up to the most powerful person in the land? and talk to him in the way that he does. And the answer is quite simple. A few lines later, he says what he says. He says, Ki He says to him, because your servant, referring to himself, has stood as guarantor to bring back this child, Benjamin, to his father. And you have to realize that being that I have taken responsibility and assumed responsibility, come what may, I am going to fulfill that duty. Yehuda is telling Joseph, he doesn't know who Joseph is, but he's telling the viceroy of Egypt, whatever it takes, you have to realize that not only am I a man of my word, but I have given my father a promise. And my father is a person who is holy beyond words. And his soul is bound up, as the Torah tells us, his soul is bound up with the soul of Benjamin, Nafshah, Kshurab His soul is bound up with the soul of Benjamin. And therefore, whatever physical and spiritual strength there is in this world, I am going to use in order to ensure that that Benjamin is returned to his father. 
And even though you might be the most powerful person in the world, you might have the armies of Egypt behind you. You have the strength of a mighty land behind you. I have the strength of the resolution of my promise. I have what is known as Messiris Nefesh. I have self-sacrifice. And self-sacrifice is far more powerful than all the physical armies in the world. Now we learn from this something which is extremely important. And that is that each and every one of us possesses within our inner dimensions the power of Mesiris Nefesh, self-sacrifice. And it doesn't have to come down to the issue of giving up one's life. But it comes down to the understanding that we know that we have made a commitment to something that is higher, that cannot be compromised, that cannot be changed, and cannot be given up. That we have committed ourselves to something which is absolute. And this is so true. This is, has been part and parcel of our history. When you think about how did we as a Jewish people survive? And I speak about this so often. How is it that a handful of people being kicked from pillar to post, going through one exile after another exile, sometimes in the worst possible situations, how do we survive? It's because we have an emuna, we have faith and trust in God that is absolutely resolute. We know this to be absolute faith. We don't give up. Yes, we have lost quite a bit along the way, but there is always that minority that stands firm. In one way or another, we repeat the words of Judah when we say, Ki avdecha orves anar. We have assumed responsibility. We stand as guarantors that we will ensure that the next generation will continue with the legacy of that which we accepted at Sinai, of that which the patriarchs has given us, of the story of Jacob. We will continue. We will not give up. Come what may, you can do whatever you want to us, but we will stand firm. Not long ago I read a short story written by a South African Yiddish writer. It was written in the probably 20s and 30s, describing Yiddish life, Jewish life in Johannesburg in those years and earlier, and how people had come here and really had to work very hard in order to make a living, and how tragically one of the great sacrifices they made was the sacrifice of their children's Yiddish guides. And because they were so busy making a living, things like Shabbos was no longer important and other aspects of Yiddishkeit. And their children drifted away. And their children didn't become rebellious, but they became indifferent. They became estranged to Yiddishkeit. And in beautiful language, it was translated into English, and in beautiful language, he describes the conflicts and tensions of those days. But at the same time, there were those who stood firm. They were the minority, but they raised children 
that became the pillars of our community and they retained their Yiddishkeit. And this is true not only about South Africa, this is true about America, this is true about England, this is true about Australia, this is true about wherever there is a Jewish community. That even though there are many who unfortunately have lost sight of what it was all about, there are those who retain a tremendous sense of commitment. And we take that from Yehuda. We have a tremendous responsibility for our children. And not only a physical, material responsibility. Of course, we have to physically and materially make sure that our children are secure. But equally so, and sometimes more so, we have to also ensure that spiritually they are protected, that their souls are protected, their identity is protected, that their Yiddishkeit is protected. And despite the fact that physical life might be difficult, and despite the fact that the society in which we live might be incredibly challenging as parents, we have to recognize and realize that we have taken a vow of commitment, of responsibility, of becoming the guarantors that we will take care of of these children. We will ensure that the next generation will continue with a sense of identity, with a sense of purpose, so they can continue with the next generation as well. This is the story of Jewish survival. And this is the Vayigash story, continuing again and again and again. We see it throughout the entire part. And even when Joseph finally, dramatically and beautifully confesses to his brothers and he says, I am your brother Joseph. And all the story had a purpose. I had to come here and become the viceroy of Egypt, so that when there will be a huge famine, not only in this land, but in all the lands, I would have access to food so that I could feed the nations and I could feed my family and feed you, feed my father and my brothers. What does he convey? He says, is my father still alive? And what does he mean by saying, is my father still alive? What he communicates is, is he alive spiritually? Because you should know I am alive spiritually. I have the Vayigash mentality as well. I have remained committed to that which I was raised with in the house of Jacob. Yes, I may look like the viceroy of Egypt. I may look like the individual who stands at the pinnacle of power in the most powerful land in the world. But I am a Jew in every sense of the word, and that's the way I've raised my children who were born to me in this land. It's the Vayigash mentality, as you, Judah, said to me, you have taken responsibility for this child, so have I taken responsibility for my children. And this is the message that I want you to take back to your father and bring him here. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. It doesn't matter where you grow up. You can grow up within the tents of Jacob, separate and away from the noise of the world. You can grow up in the palace of Egypt, wherever you are. Vayigash means you have to approach the challenge of life 
with a tremendous sense of resolution. I am a Jew. I am proud of being a Jew. I have this commitment. I am the one who has taken responsibility. I am a guarantor. And I will ensure that the next generation continues and continues with the tremendous golden chain of Yiddishkeit. I can't say that often enough. And this is what gives Judah the strength to stand in front of the most powerful person in the world almost. And he says to him, in no uncertain terms, know that this is the way it's going to be. I'm not frightened of your armies. I'm not frightened of your power. I'm not frightened of whatever you represent. I will take that boy. I will take our younger brother and bring him back to his father. This is what gives him the strength the recognition that within me I have that faith and trust. I had that Mesidus Nefesh, that self-sacrifice, because I made a vow, I made a promise. I am the guarantor. I have given my word in an inner way, and I'm going to stand by it. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the incredible strength of Joseph and how that becomes the model for each and every single Jew throughout the ages to have the strength to stand up to the most formidable challenges and to say, this is the way it's going to be. I take responsibility for my children and therefore I'm going to ensure that they will be raised in an environment and atmosphere that will guarantee their continuation with Yiddishkeit for the future. You know, has your son or daughter just completed varsity? What now? Well, invest in an additional year of study with prime then for a lifetime of career success. The University of Pretoria's Gordon Institute of Business Science highly practical full-time postgraduate diploma in business administration starts in February at the Gibbs Johannesburg campus. Increase employability with this honors equivalent qualification. Visit Gibbs, that's G-I-B-S dot C-O dot Z-A forward slash full time P-D-B-A, that's P-D-P-A for more info and to book for the open evening on 25 January. That's gibbs.co.za forward slash full time PDBA for the open evening on 25 Jan. So we're talking about this whole idea of how Yehuda approaches Joseph. You probably heard the term truth speaks to power. And that's one of those terms which in fact demonstrates how truth can overwhelm power, no matter how powerful power might be. And we've seen that throughout the ages. But once again, it's one of those terms that is so abused and so misused, where every upstart, every so-called young, irresponsible revolutionary talks about truth speaks to power. Truth speaks to power is not an expression of chutzpah. It's not when some young person speaks to someone who is older and berates him. Truth speaks to power must convey a tremendous sense of truth. 
And truth can only come with absolute conviction and certainty. As I said at the beginning of the show, Yehuda speaks into the ear of Yosef. He's not trying to make a political statement. He's not trying to somehow create public support, either in the crowds or in the media. He's not trying to do something that will bring about a tremendous sense of, well, look at this guy, look at the way he speaks, look at what he is saying. He's trying to bring about a result in a conflict that can, God forbid, escalate into something which is terrible. His brother was taken. His father, God forbid, will have the worst possible situation if Benjamin is not returned. And Yehuda knows that it's absolutely vital that Benjamin is returned. Yehuda also knows that he is the one who's taken responsibility and therefore he has to stand up and use whatever means that he has, whatever words that he has, whatever kind of communication that he possesses to convey to Yosef that this must result in some sort of resolution where Binyamin will be returned to his father. And this is the truth that he conveys, and this is why power listens. Because there's a sincerity, there's an honesty, there's a clarity, there is a mesidus nefesh, there is self-sacrifice. And power, power is afraid of truth, when truth is conveyed in that sort of way. No matter how powerful power might be, no matter how strong power might be, no matter how many armies it might possess, no matter how rich it might be, but when power hears real truth, truth is defined by the words of Judah. Truth is defined by the words that contain faith in God. Truth is defined by history as the Jewish history is. Then power begins to tremble. Then power knows it has no strength to stand up against this truth. It's not a cheap statement. Truth speaks to power. You often hear this on the radio today. Oh, it's truth speaking to power. That's noise. That's publicity. That's nonsense. We're talking about the strength of Jewish survival, the strength of Judah, the strength of saying, Your servant says, Joseph. It says, Judah to Joseph. I have taken responsibility, and I'm going to fulfill that, because I come with the power of absolute truth, I made a promise to our father Jacob, and I'm going to fulfill that promise. And this is the entire Parsha of Ayigash. And even though toward the end you sense, well, a little bit of sadness, because Jacob comes down with his family into Egypt, and you know that it's going to develop into another challenge, the exile of Egypt. But you also know that the Jewish people have been given the strength to survive even that terrible exile as well. Because Judah is sent to establish places of learning, of Torah learning in Egypt. And this is why even though you know that the exile will be there, nonetheless you are certain that they will come out victorious as we see 
and we go through the parashiyot from Vayechi on to Shemot, the story of Exodus, etc., etc. And this is why it's important each and every single week to read the story, because each and every single week the story continues. So when you're in shul tomorrow, if you go to shul, I know it's difficult times, you must be careful. But wherever you are, in shul or at home, listen to the parsha carefully. Not only tells a great story, reconciliation, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, but it's Vayigash. It's how Jacob talks to Judah. It's how Judah speaks to Joseph. It's how Judah conveys to Joseph this absolute faith. It's how truth speaks to power in the fullest sense of the word. It's an incredible story. It's the story of the Jewish people. It's something we should take to heart. It's something that we're truly proud of. It's our story. Listen to it carefully. Go through the entire Parsha. It's fascinating. It's uplifting. It's dramatic. It's wonderful. It's Vayigash. It's the ultimate approach. Good job.